Ashley Brock Green, Diane Palmer's book. Jordan, Chapter 8. Janet was still in hiding before the primary election and probate hadn't began, but plenty had changed in Jacobsville. Libby and Kurt had been forced to move out of the farmhouse where they'd grown up because the bank had foreclosed. They hadn't said a word to Jordan about it. Kurt moved to, into the bunkhouse at the Wright Ranch where he worked. Libby moved into a boarding house where two other Jacobsville career women lived. Bailey... Would have had to be boarded, and Libby didn't have the money, but she worked out a deal with a dude ranch nearby. Bailey would be used to trail riders, riders for people who were nervous of horses, and Libby would help on the weekends. It wasn't the ideal solution, but it was the only one she had. It was a wretch to give up Bailey, even though it wasn't going to be forever. Jordan and Julie Merrill were apparently engaged, or so Julie was saying, and she was wearing a huge diamond on her ring finger. Her father was using every dirty trick in the book to gain his party's candidacy. Julie Merrill was vehemently outspoken about some unnamed dirty tactics being used against her father in the primary election campaign, and she went on television to make accusations against Calhoun Ballinger. The next morning, Blake Kelp Kep had her served, served as the defendant in a defamation lawsuit. <laughs> They're not going to win this case, Julie raised the Jordan. I want you to get me the best attorney in Austin. We're going to put Calhoun Ballinger right in the gutter where he belongs, along with all those these jump-on Nevada Ricci's that think they own our country, our county. Jordan, who was one of those jump-ons, gave her a curious look. Excuse me, he asked coolly. Well, I'm not standing by while Ballinger takes, talks my father's constituents into, desert, into deserting him. You're the one who's been making allegations, Julie, Jordan said quietly, to anyone who was willing to listen. She waved that away. You have to do that to win elections. I'm not going to be a party to anything dishonest, Jordan said through his teeth. Julie backed down, scurled against him and said, okay, I'll tone it down for your sake. But you aren't going to let Calhoun Ballinger sue me, are you? Jordan didn't know what he was going to do. He felt uneasy at Julie's temperament and her tactics. He'd taken her side against Kep when she told him that one of the boys at her graduation party had put something in the cold person's girl drink and she couldn't turn him in. She cried about Libby Collins making horrible statements against her. But Libby had never done such a thing before. He liked being Julie's escort, being accepted by the social crowd she ran with, but it was getting old and he was beginning to believe that Julie was only playing up to him for money to put into her father's campaign. Libby had tried to warn him, and he jumped down her throat. He felt guilty about that, too. He felt guilty about a lot of things. Listen, he said, I think you need to step back and take a good look at what you're doing. Calhoun Ballinger isn't some minor citizen. He and his brother own a feedlot that's nationally known. Besides that, he has the support of most of the people in Jakesville with money. My father has the support of the social set. She began, yes, but Julie, they're the old elite. The demographics have changed in Jacobs County in the past ten years. Look around you. The hearts are a political family from the roots up. The brother is a state attorney general, and he's already casting a serious eye on what's going on in Jacobsville City Council about those police officers. The mayor's trying to get suspended. They can't do anything about that, Julie. The hearts are related to Chief Grier, he said shortly. She hesitated. For the first time, she looked uncertain. Not only that, they're related to the governor and the vice president, and while it isn't well known locally, Grier's people are very wealthy. She sat down. She ran hand through her blonde hair. Why didn't you see this before? I tried to. He pointed out you refused to listen. But Daddy can't possibly lose the election, she said with a child's understanding of things. He's been state senator from the, from this district for years and years. And now the voters are looking for some new blood, he told her. Not 
only in local government, but in the state and national government. You and your father don't really move with the times, Julie. <laughs> Surely you don't think Calhoun can be daddy? She asked suddenly. I think he's going to, he replied honestly, rubbing his hands into his pockets. He's way ahead of your father in the polls, you know that. You and your father have had some bad enemies trying to have those police officers fired. You've gotten on the wrong side of not only Cash Grower, but the hearts as well. There will be repercussions. I've already heard talk of a complete recall of the mayor and the city council. But the mayor is daddy's nephew. How could they? Don't you know anything about small towns? He growled up. Julie, you've spent too much time in Austin with your father and not enough around here where the elections are decided. This is just a hick town, she said surprised. Why should I care what goes on here? Jordan's face hardened. Because Jacobs County is the biggest county in your father's district. He can't get reelected without it. You've damaged his campaign by the way you behaved to Libby Collins. That nobody? She's go. Her father is a direct descendant of old John Jacobs, he pointed out. They may not have money and they may not be socially acceptable to you and your father, but the Collinses are highly respected here. The reason Calhoun's got such support is because you tried to hurt Libby. But that's absurd. <laughs> She's a good person, he said, averting his eyes as he called his unworthy treatment of her. And of Kurt, on Julie's behalf, she's had some hard knocks recently. <laughs> so have I, Julie said, most notably having a lawsuit filed against me for defamation of character by that lawyer, Cap. She turned to him, are you going to give me a lawyer or do, you ha do I have to find my own? Jordan was cutting his losses while there was still time. He felt like ten kinds of fool for the way he behaved in the past few weeks. I think you better do that yourself, he replied. I'm not going against Calhoun Bounder. She scoffed. You'll never get that Collins woman to like you again, no matter what you do, she said hotly. Or didn't you know that she and her brother had forfeited the ranch to the bank? He was beating They what? Nobody would loan them the money they needed to save it, she said with a cold smile. So the bank president foreclosed. Daddy had a long talk with him. His He looked furious. His big fist clenched at his head. That was... That was low, Julie. When you want to win, sometimes you have to fight dirty, she said simply. You belong to me. I'm not letting some nobody of a little dirt ranger take you away from me. We need you. I don't belong to you. He returned, scooping up his hat. In fact, I've never felt dirtier than I do right now. She gave to him. I beg your pardon. You can't talk to me like that. I just did. He started toward the door. You're no loss, Jordan, she yelled after him. We needed your money, but I never wanted you. You're one of those jump-ons with no decent background. I'm sorry I ever invited you here the first time. I'm ashamed that I told my friends I liked you. That makes two of us. He murmured icily, and he went out the door without a backward glance. Cap was going over some notes with Libby when Jordan Powell walked into the office without bothering to knock. I'd like to talk to Libby for a minute. He said solemnly, hat in hand. Libby stared at him blankly. I can't think what you have to say, she replied. I'm very busy. She is, Captain. I'm due in court in 30 minutes. Then I'll come back in 30 minutes, Jordan replied. Feel free, but I won't be here. I have nothing to say to you, Jordan. She told him bluntly. You turned your back on me when I needed you the most. I don't need you now. I never will. Ken, listen. He began impatiently. No! She turned back to Captain. What were you saying, boss? Cap hesitated. He could see the pain in Jordan's face, and he had some idea that Jordan had just found out the truth about Julie Merrill. Checked his watch. Listen, I can read your writing. Just give me the pad and I'll get to the courthouse. It's okay. He added when she looked as if he were to certain or to the enemy. Really? She bit her lower lip. Okay. Thanks. 
Jordan said stiffly as Kep got up to this. You owe me one. He replied as he passed the tactum rancher on the way out the door. Minutes later, Mabel went into Kep's office, put some notes on his desk, leaving Jordan and leave me alone. I've been... I've made some bad mistakes, he began stiffly. He hated apologies. Usually he found ways not to make them, but he hurt Libby too badly not to try. She's staring at her keyboard, trying not to listen. You have to understand what it's been like for me. He said hesitantly, sat down on a chair next to her desk with his wide-brimmed hat in his hands. My people were like yours, poor. My mother had money, but her people disinherited her when she married my dad. I never had two nickels to rub together. I was that pal kid whose father worked for wages, whose mother was reduced to working as a housekeeper. He stared at the floor with his pride again. I wanted to be somebody, Libby. That's all I ever wanted, just to have respect for the people who mattered in this town. He said, I thought going around with Julie would give me that. <laughs> I don't suppose you noticed that her father belongs to a group of respectable people who no longer have any power around here, she said simply. No, I didn't. I had my head turned. She was beautiful and witch and cultured. She came at me like a hurricane. I was in over my head before I knew it. <laughs> Libby, who wasn't beautiful or rich or cultured, felt her heart breaking. She knew all this, but it hurt to hear him admit it, because it meant those hungry, sweet kisses she shared with him meant nothing at all. He wanted you like, I've broken it off with her. He said bluntly. Libby didn't say, did you hear me? He asked impatiently. <laughs> she looked at him with disillusionist eyes. You believed her. She said I was shacking up with Harley Fowler. She said I attacked her in this office and hurt her feelings. You believed all that, even though you knew me. And when she attacked me in Barbara's Cafe and on the courthouse steps, you didn't say a thing. He winced. Words don't mean anything, pal, she said bitterly. You can sit there and apologize and try to smooth over what you did for the rest of your life, but I won't listen. When I needed you, you turned your back on me. He drew a long breath. I guess I did. I can understand that you were flattered by her attention, she said. But Kurt and I have lost everything we had. Our father is dead and we don't even have a home anymore. He moved his hat and said, You can move in with me. She laughed bitterly. Thanks. Now listen. He said earnestly, leaning forward. Shut up and don't. I've had all the hard knocks I can handle. I don't want anything from you, Jordan. Nothing at all. He wanted to bite something. He felt furious at his own stupidity, at his blind alliance to Julie Merrill and her father, at his naivety in letting them use him. He felt even worse about the way he turned on Libby. But he was afraid of what he felt for her, afraid of her youth, her changeability. Not only he felt like a fool. Thanks for the offer and the apology. She added heavenly. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to get back to work. She turned on the computer, brought up her work screen, and shut Jordan out of her sight and mind. He got up slowly and moved toward the door. He hesitated, adding glanced back. What about the autopsy? He asked suddenly. She swallowed. Daddy died of a heart attack, just like the doctor said. She replied. Son, and Violet's father was poisoned, she replied. Riddle had a lucky escape coming. So did you and Kurt? She didn't look at him. I just hope they can find her before she kills some other poor old man he nodded after a minute he gave her one last soulful glance and went out the door life went on as usual county's campaign staff cracked up cranked up the heat libby spent her free time helping to make up flyers make telephone calls offering to drive voters to the polls during the primary election if they didn't have a way to get to the polls you know 
You know, I really think Halloween's going to win. Kurt told Libby while they were having a quick lunch together on Saturday after she got off from work. Excuse me. So do I. He's got all kinds of support. He picked out his spaceship. Heard from Jordan. She said, he came by the office to apologize a few days ago. Jordan Longbird. Rumor is that Jolie Merrill's courting Duke right now. Good luck to her. He's still in love with his wife, and he's not quite as gullible as Jordan. Jordan wasn't so gullible. He defended his former boss. When a woman that pretty turns up the heat, most more normal men will follow her anywhere. She lifted both eyebrows. Even you? He grinned. I'm not normal. I'm a cowboy. She chuckled and slipped her eyes. They're still looking for Janet. I've had an idea. She said, shoot. What if we advertise a property for selling all the original newspapers? Whoa, he said. We can't sell if we don't have power of attorney. The will's not even in probate yet. She's a suspected murderess, she reminded. Felons can't inherit. Did you know? If she tried and convicted... If she's tried and convicted, we might be able to get her to return everything she got from Daddy's estate. He frowned, thinking hard. Do you remember Dad telling us about a new will he made? She blinked. No. Maybe you weren't there. It was when he was in the hospital just before he died. He could hardly talk for the pain, and he was gasping for breath. But he said there was a will. He said he put it in his safest place. He frowned heavily. I never thought about that until just now. What if he meant a new will, Libby? It wouldn't have been legal if it wasn't witness, she said sadly. He might have written something down, and she found it and threw it out. I doubt it would stand up in court. No. He went to San Antonio without Janet about two days before he had that heart attack, he persisted. Who did he know in San Antonio, she wanted to Why don't you ask Mr. Cap to see if his private detective could snoop around, he cooed softly. She pursed lips. It would be a long shot, and we couldn't afford to pay him. Dad had a coin collection that was worth half a million dollars, Libby, Kurt said. It's never turned up. I can't find any record that he ever sold it, either. Her lips fell open. In the agony of the past few months, that had never occurred to her. I assume Janet cashed it in. She had the insurance money, he reminded her, and the property, or so she assumed. But when we were sorting out Dad's personal belongings, that case he kept the coins in was missing. What if, he added, he took it to San Antonio and left it with someone along with an altered will. She was trying to think. It wasn't easy. They had those coins. If nothing else, they could make the loan payment. I can ask Mr. Kep if he'll look into it, she said. He can take the money out of my salary. I can contribute some of mine, Kurt added. She felt lighter than she had in week. I'll go ask him right now. Finish your sandwich first. You go, you've lost weight, baby sister. She goes, I've been depressed since we had to leave home. Yeah, me too. She smiled. Things are looking up. She found Kep just about to leave for the day. She stopped him at the door and told him what she and Kurt had been discussing. He closed the door behind them, picked up the phone, and dialed a number. Libby listened while he outlined the case to someone, most likely the private detective he hired. Look for Janet. That's right, he told the man. One more thing. There's a substitutional coin collection mission as well. I'll ask. He put his hand over the receiver and asked Libby for a description of it, which he gave to the man. He added a few more comments and hung up his mouth. Considering the age of these coins and their value, it wouldn't be hard to trace them if they'd been sold. Good work, Libby. Thank my brother, she pled smile. He remembered it. You would have to, I expect, in time, he said in a kinder tone. Want me to have a talk with the bank president? Yeah, I think he might be more amenable to let you incur back on the property with this new angle of mine. Might be 
to his advantage. He added a satisfied tone. You mean if we turn out to have that much money of our own, free and clear, it would make him very uncomfortable. We put it in the Jacobsville Municipal Bank and not his? Exactly. Your eyes, please. Which is exactly where we will put it if we get it. He added to trouble. No need to tell him that just yet. Your eyebrows left. Mr. Kep, you have a devious mind. He's gone. What else is new? Libby was furious at herself for not thinking of her father's impressive coin collection until now. She watched those coins come in the mail for years without really noticing them, but now they were important. They meant the difference between losing their home and getting it back again. She sat on pins and needles over the weekend until Kep heard from the private detective the following Monday morning. Buzz Libby had told her to come into the office. He was smiling when she got there. We found him. He said chuckling when she made a whoop loud enough to make bring Mabel down the hall. It's okay, Libby told her. I've just got some good news for a change. Mabel grinned and went back to work. Libby sat down in the chair in front of Kev's big desk, smiling for her. Your father left the coins with a dealer who locked them in his safe. He was told not to let Janet have them under any circumstances. He had Besides that, there was a will. He's got that, too. It's not self-made will, either. It was done by a lawyer in the dealer's office and witnessed by two people who work for him. Louis' eyes were pretty. Daddy knew. He knew she was trying to cut us out of the will. He must have. He conceded. Apparently, she made some comment about what she was going to do when he died, and she'd been harassing him about his health. Megan remarked about his heart being weak as well. He's juggling. Whatever the cause, he changed the will in your favor. Yours and Kurt's. This will's going to stand up in a court of law and changes the entire financial situation. You and Kurt can go home, and I'll get the will into probate immediately. But the insurance, he nodded. She was the beneficiary for one of his insurance policies. He smiled at her. There's another one. A half a million dollar policy that he left with the same dealer who has the will. You and Kurt are co-beneficiaries. He didn't contact us, he explained suddenly. Yes, and that's the interesting part, he said. He tried to contact you, and Janet told him that you and Kurt were out of the country on an extended vacation. She planned to go and talk to him the very day you made the remarks about Violet's father and having locks put on your bedroom doors. She ran for her life before she had time to try to get the rest of your inheritance. Inheritance, he chuckled. Maybe she had some idea of what the seller was guarding, decided that the insurance policy would hold her for a while without risking arrest. Oh, thank God, she whispered shivering with delight. Thank God, we can go home. Apparently, he agreed, smiling. I'm going to drive up to San Antonio today and get those documents in the coin collection. She was suddenly concerned. But what if Janet hears about it? She had that friend in San Antonio who called to try to get us off the property. She suffered. That's why they were trying to get us out of the house. They knew about the coin collection. She said back at him. But they could be dangerous. Cash Grier is going with me. She personally lives in using the Okay. <laughs> he chuckled. Nobody's going to try to attack me with Grier in the car. Even if he is an arm. Good point, she agreed. So call your brother and tell him the news, he said. Stop worrying. You're going to land on your feet, Libby. How's Violet? She asked without thinking. He stood up, his hands deep in his pockets. She and her mother are distraught, as you might imagine. They never realized that Mr. Hardy had been the victim of foul play. I've tried to keep it out of the papers, but when Janet's caught, it's going to be difficult. Is there anything I can do? He smiled. Take them a pizza and let Violet talk to you about it. He suggested she misses working here. I'll miss her too. He shifted to his case. I offered to let her come back to work here. You did? She asked and this. She's going to think about it. Yeah, you might uh, tell her how short-handed we are here and that the temporary woman we got 
had to quit. Maybe she'll feel sorry for us and come back. She smiled. I'll do my best. He looked on. Thanks. He said stiffly. End of chapter 8.